listener-supported Divine Mercy Radio, Catholic 540 AM, presents a special edition interview. Welcome to Catholic Cornerstone, a program dedicated to bringing you the people who help shape what Catholicism looks like here in Eastern North Carolina. Here we ask the questions of why or how they came to North Carolina, but also why they've given their lives for promoting the Catholic faith. I am your host, Melissa Savage, Executive Director of Divine Mercy Radio, and today we are blessed with two special guests who are visiting from Atlanta, Andy and Jamie Orifice. Welcome to the program, Andy and Jamie. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so everyone that's listening, you guys have a ministry called... The Catholics Adopt Project. Catholics Adopt Project. Can you guys tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, it, Catholics Adopt Project is a ministry. It's our own um, ministry that we started uh, this past year. And really to uh, create and build awareness for adoption within Catholic communities. Um, Jamie and I are adoptive parents of two children, and uh, we have two biological children as well. For a long time, we had thought about starting a uh, adoption foundation or something similar, but post Dobbs decision, uh, we uh, felt the need to create something to build awareness within the Catholic community to be a connector of resources. So what we try to do is um, we'll allow people to, to find resources to, to promote adoption. Because we're adoptive parents, a lot of people would come to us and they would want advice about how do you go about the process? What does it feel like? What does it look like? And for a long time, we would meet one-on-one with couples and have dinner or just sit down with coffee and kind of help them to begin to navigate the process. And then as we were at a Catholic conference um, two summers ago, we were praying our rosary in a vineyard. And I know that's crazy to get to pray the rosary in a vineyard. It was just spectacular. But um, God really spoke to us that we needed to reach more people, that we needed to leverage what we had learned and the journey that he started in our hearts in a way that would resonate with as many people as we could. And so that's really where Catholics Adopt Project, kind of where the seeds were planted for us. Wonderful. So how many people would you normally talk to on a regular basis if they would have, if you would have dinner with them or they would come up and ask you about it? It seems to me like there aren't very many resources out there. Did you have them when you were adopting? Were there any resources out there for you, or did you have to sort of fumble through? When we were adopting, it was a lot of research on our own, a lot of it that Jamie did to go through. But you realize very quickly that the process is just, it's a huge maze to go through. And trying to understand uh, where you can turn, who you can trust is is, uh, a pretty painstaking process. So Part of our thought is we had this this knowledge and sharing it. And when you have, like Jamie said, we've done that one-on-one a lot. Every time I've ever given my witness at a, a weekend retreat, I've had at least one guy come up to me afterward and say, hey, it's adoptions on my wife and I's heart, but we don't even know where to start. Can you help us? And that's when we sit down. And so we thought, can we scale that? Can we make it bigger than just, you know, those, those one-off dinners and lunches that we've been having? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes. You know, every time you would come up, you get one person. I, I actually read a statistic that said one out of 25 families have an adopted son or daughter. So that that's pretty remarkable, right? Yes. It's one out of 25 families has adoption in their family in, in some family. form or fashion. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's amazing because the more you talk to people, 
the more questions they have, the more interest they have, the more it piques their curiosity. And it may be something they never even contemplated before or thought they could do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I notice that people will say, I, I have an interest in that, but they're a little fearful, right? And then they see someone else do it and they do a really great job and they're going, oh, maybe it isn't as so hard as I thought it was. So what is the thing that you tell most people? What's the first thing you tell them? So I would say the first thing we tell people is to surrender and pray a lot because (laughs) the journey is different for every single person, just as every life is different and has dignity and value. Every adoption journey will be different. There's no two that will be alike, and it is not an easy road. Um, It's probably one of the most emotional and daunting and complicated and amazing incredible journeys that you'll ever be on similar to when you have a biological child because i think god provides a spiritual connection with whatever child he has um, planned for you because i am convinced that god knew for all eternity that if we would just say yes then we would have the two babies that we have in our lives now oh that's wonderful that's wonderful when you were, you're, you're, as you're talking, you're smiling. I know our listeners cannot see that. I can. I get to see your smile about um, how rewarding it is. But I would wager a guess that it wasn't as smiley as you were going through the process a little bit. It might have been a little bit tough, and you're shaking your head yes. Do you guys mind sharing your story, your testimony of how what the process looked like for you and what, what you guys sort of went through so that our listeners can get sort of a you know, your personal story, but also to give them a little hope that there's, it's, that it's, it's doable for them too. Sure. For, for, for us, uh, it started with the calling to adoption and was God really calling us to this? And, um, adoption was on Jamie's heart first. And, uh, for me, it took a little bit longer, but then through a lot of prayer, uh, going on retreat for me, uh, got to go to Rome and, 2005 and had just a a very um, profound experience actually in front of the tomb of uh, John Paul II, who at the time was was still in in the catacombs uh, below. And it was like a lightning bolt had gone through my body. Um, And a lot of that was, he was a big part of my conversion or reversion into into the faith. Um, But it led me to go deeper into prayer and to really... um, think about adoption and know that that was, that was a calling uh, for us. But then we took the next step of our two kids were 14 and 11 at the time, and they had prayed for a baby brother and sister. And we told them that we were uh, considering adoption. And uh, our son, who was 14 or 13 at the time, uh, went to the chapel at his Catholic school. He wrote us a letter about what it would mean uh, to him for us to adopt. And he quietly came home, put it on our bed for us to discover. And uh, soon our uh, daughter wrote a similar letter. And so it became a family calling. And that was a really important part of, of our story uh, because our older kids knew that um, this was going to involve sacrifice, that we weren't going to be able to take the same family vacations. We would potentially have a baby in the house and there would be a lifestyle change. And so that that started it, and then um, 
And then we moved into the more technical parts, which I'll, I'll let Jamie talk about. <laughs> well, we first put the word out, and a priest friend of ours connected us with a young Catholic girl um, in Michigan who was expecting a baby and did not think she could parent and wanted a Catholic family to adopt her baby. And so we had a phone call, and everyone was so happy, and it was the day after Christmas, and we were matched, and... Uh, I can't even describe the feeling of connection at a level that is, it surpasses just human understanding. And the baby was actually born on the Feast of St. Joseph. And we had been praying a perpetual novena to St. Joseph because of his connection with our Lord being um, the foster father of our Lord. And it was just so fitting that the baby would be born on the feast day. Uh, but the mother decided to parent. And so on the one hand, we were crushed. And on the other hand, we knew that that was probably the best thing for the baby, and God knew that. And so we then connected with a consultant. And the reason why is she was able to like call through all of the laws in the various states and all of the agencies and all of the details that are so different from state to state and give us a list of these are the adoption-friendly states, these are agencies we've worked with before, and if you follow what I tell you to do in terms of the paperwork and the process, you can adopt a baby within a year. And we thought, wow, this is awesome. We, we aren't 20 years old doing this. We're a little bit older. And so we did. We were immediately matched within a month of making our profile with a young mom who is a military mom. And she was going to be shipped to Afghanistan six weeks after the baby was born. And she already had a three-year-old, and she didn't have any resources to help her. And we met with her. She met with our kids. Um, we all, again, were on the same page, and that baby was due in October. So four months after we were matched. Well, all of a sudden she stopped talking to us and stopped talking to the agency, and we were all getting rather nervous. And the agency said, well, if you haven't heard from your birth mom, there's another situation that we want to make you aware of, of a little girl who's going to be one, and her mom has decided not to place with the original couple that she thought she wanted to place with. And if you're interested, we can present you. And we said, you know, unless you're going to give us both babies, we can't back out on our birth mom. And so the week that the baby was due, she was going to have a scheduled C-section. Um, again, the agency comes and says, well, we have this other situation. We haven't heard from the birth mom. And at that point, we were pretty distraught, and I went to the chapel. And I remember just pouring my heart out to our Lord, just telling him how broken I felt. Um, and this part is really hard for me to talk about because I really thought, okay, God must not really want this because it's not going to work out again. And I don't think I can do it. Um, and you can hear it in my voice that it was super hard. And I heard God say to me, you know, Jamie, get up. Get up. I fell three times. <laughs> this, you have to get up. So 
I went home. And wow. I just have to say, wow. <laughs> wow. It, was, it was an incredible experience where I really felt united uh, with the suffering that mm-hmm. our Lord must have, just a small part of what he feels. And a couple days later, the birth mom did decide to parent our birth mom. And the agency said, well, we're meeting with this other birth mom at 2.30. And this was in the morning. And they said, bring your profile over, and if, um, you know, if you can get it here by then, we'll present you. So I called Andy, and I said, well, by the way, we're not going down to Florida to meet this newborn, but we can still be presented for this situation. And he right away said yes. And now, granted, at the time, we knew nothing except it was a little girl who was going to turn one. We had no health history. We had absolutely no understanding of what this child, what the situation was. Um, But we said yes, and by 5 o'clock that afternoon, uh, we were meeting our our daughter. We, We were selected, and we were meeting our daughter. And we had a lot of angels, and I'll let Andy talk about that a little bit, of our friends help us because we... We were expecting a newborn. Yes, it was. It was like God had orchestrated the whole thing. Um, our, we, we were ready for a newborn, so our theory was all we needed was some onesies and some diapers <laughs> and a bassinet and some formula, and, and we're good. Off, off your You're running, right. yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, we're getting uh, this little girl who's going to turn one the next day, and our. Uh, daughter's uh, friend's little brother had just outgrown his car seat. They came over with a car seat. We get home uh, from having uh, from the adoption agency. We get home. Our neighbors next door, our goddaughter next door, had just outgrown her crib, and they are in our driveway with a crib. And it, it all sort of fell into place in just sort of a miraculous way. And, um, you know, we're like, oh, no, the, the house isn't childproof. You know, this is a she's about to turn one. Um, and um, so we had a, it, it, and she was like the, the easiest little one year old girl. And we had these great theories that God had protected us because he knew we were too old to handle a newborn and all these <laughs> other types of things. And so and she, you know, she's a very easy little girl. And um Again, God had bigger plans. Um, 18 months later, uh, the agency calls and uh, says, uh, birth mom is pregnant again. She's decided to have the baby, and um, she really wants you to consider adopting him. And the birth mom's still a teenager at this point, um, expecting this baby. And so I kind of joke that I walked around saying really for several days. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we ended up saying yes, and if there's such a thing as a, a surprise baby with an adoption, it's it's our son JP, um, and uh, he came home directly um, from the hospital, and so our all our theories about you know we're too he, he's all boy, and he <laughs> and he was anything but but an easy baby, and he's he's a wonderful kid. He's uh, he's he just turned 13 oh, wow. um, the other day, but. Um, so kind of very different avenues and a journey that um, we, we, we couldn't have scripted, only God could have scripted it, and we probably, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily have, have, have believed it. Um, if someone had either. told you yeah. beforehand, right. yeah. you wouldn't have believed that yeah. you would have gone through all of that, right? Right. You wouldn't right. knowingly put yourself in that situation. Right, right. right. And there, were, there was a lot of things with 
the second situation that were because the first situation happened so fast that um, there were things that like visiting with um, with the birth mom that we thought we had sort of signed up for annual updates on the baby and not a, a more open situation, whereas she wanted to have some visits. So um, early on, we had had those visits with with the birth mom. Um, but then when uh, JP came along, um, that was sort of defined to where we do do just the annual uh, updates uh, now. But the graces that came in that second situation in the hospital were were, were pretty amazing. Um, here you have this 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 birth mom who who chose life and chose life. She was still she was a, a high school dropout. She was still a teenager. I tell our story in the world, and people want to judge our birth mom, but I know that that she chose life, and I'll be eternally grateful um, for the choice that she made. And here she is holding, and she had had to have a C-section, so it was several days in the hospital before we could bring her home. And here she is holding her baby, and she was able to articulate that giving him up was painful, but she was also able to articulate that she knew the alternative of not bringing this life into the world was even more painful. And that was just remarkable. But then Jamie had um, had another story within there as well. Well, God is always in the details. Mm-hmm. And he never misses an opportunity to change souls, whether it's your own or someone else. And so I knew that I was going to give the birth mom a gift uh, because that's um, sort of traditional. And overnight, I had a dream that I needed to give a certain gift to the birth mom's mother. And <laughs> the first thing I did was tell Andy, I said, oh my gosh, I had this dream. I'm supposed to give this rosary that we had blessed at a papal mass with John Paul II. And it's the only one we have. And, but you know, what do you think? Because I thought, ooh, Andy will let me off the hook. We, we won't have to give this because it was very special to us. Sure. And um, you can tell what you immediately said. I immediately said I'm not jumping in the middle of that. No. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, so then I thought, well, I think I'll just argue with the Holy Spirit all the way down to the hospital and see if there's, you know, couldn't I give, you know, this gift? No, no, no. That's the one you have to give. And so I had this whole dialogue, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'll give it. And I had it with me anyway. And I walk in the room, and um, our birth mom's mom, the grandmother, she says to me, you know, she's having a really hard time. And um, this is a woman who has had a very difficult life, very, very hard life. And you wouldn't normally see softness or any sign of weakness from her, but I could tell how very deeply she was moved by her daughter's pain. And her daughter was there, like Andy said, holding our little guy and just rocking him. And I said, you know, you wouldn't be human if you weren't struggling with this. But you know that we would walk through fire for this baby. You know that we will love this baby just like our daughter and that you will never have to worry about that. And someday if you want to meet them, you can. It's really up to you. And I turned to the grandmother, and I said, you know, I don't know what your faith is. I don't know if you'll know how special this is to us. And I proceeded to tell her about this rosary and that it was blessed and that I knew that I was supposed to give it to her. Well, she immediately broke down crying, 
just sobbing. And she hugged me in the tightest embrace. And she said, but Jamie, what you don't know is that when this baby was born, I had a dream. And in the dream, you walked up to me and you handed me a rosary. And she said, my best friend growing up became a Jesuit priest and we're still friends. And every day he tells me, I need to become Catholic. And so the two of us are standing there sobbing. And later we heard from the birth mom that her mom loved that gift so much that she made a little fabric pouch to go around the white papal seal pouch and has it in her pocket. And that's where it stays. Every single day she gets up and where it puts it in her pocket. Oh, my gosh. If you guys don't have goosebumps like I do, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. Is it? Is it not? It's unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. Uh, dreams from both you and the grandma. And now she's Catholic and holding the rosary the whole time. <sighs> yeah, that's just one of the many instances, I would say, that God was very, very present and gave us immeasurable consolation. Um, and we didn't think we deserved it. We, didn't, we don't think we did anything heroic. All we did was say yes. And the rest was in prayer. The rest was um, whatever God wanted. And we look at our kids now and think, wow, it's just incredible. It's just incredible to watch them grow and flourish. And um, they're both amazing kids, um, which is not to say that they don't have struggles. Uh, sure. Because many adopted kids do have a crisis of identity, and some have attachment um, challenges and things like that. And we're very aware of it because we've lived it in our own house. But we also know that with every child, there are challenges. And with your own biological children, there are challenges. And in either case, you just have to be united with our Lord and offer everything to Him because He loves our kids more than we do. They all belong to Him. Absolutely. You know, you said something, you know, you just said, we said yes. And be, being in that situation where you can say yes, it takes it takes a strong person to let go, to let go of that control that, you know, we think we control things, right? Um, do you have anything for listeners out there uh, who might be in that same situation, that they're having a hard time saying yes? I think with any of us, we have to allow our Lord to get close. And the only way that I know how to do that is to give up driving the car. Let him take the wheel. And I have pride just like everyone else. And I have to say, when I find myself driving the car, I have to chuckle and say, okay, well, God does a much better job than you do. So you need to surrender. So it's a daily Hourly, moment by moment, yes, Lord, you know best. Yes. And it's it's listening. It's 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 your prayer life, and it's listening to God and your relationship with Christ. In a lot of cases, not listening to your buddies from kind of the guy side, right? Because when we decided to adopt, and our kids were in that age range where the world will tell you, "Hey, you're home free now. You don't have to be getting a babysitter all the time. You you know you can have your life back, right?" And so I will guarantee you that pretty much everyone except my spiritual brothers, the guys on my tennis team, the guys I saw at work, they're like, dude, are you crazy? You know? <laughs> and if you listen to those voices, it's, it's, it's not going to get you to yes. 
you know, it needs to be between you and Christ, you know, go to adoration, you know, spend some time in silence and know that, that that's what he's calling you to, because you do need that strength. And, and Jamie mentioned too, I mean, it's, it's not all sunshine and lollipops. I mean, our, you know, we have had, you know, adopt and, and that's, that's helped us in our ministry because we, we we're putting resources out there for that as well, um, because that can be um, very real as well. Well said. We're going to take a, a quick nod out here to all of our listeners who are just tuning in. You're listening to a special episode of Catholic Cornerstone with our guests in the studio today are Andy and Jamie Orifice from CatholicsAdopt.com. Okay, so we've learned your wonderful story. I can see why Father Oswald really wanted us to, to hear about it. Um, goose bumps all the way down. It was um, quite impressive. Um, you don't hear stories like that every day, um, but you've given us sort of um, a glimpse of the beauty and the, the masterful hand at work um, of making it all it all flowed together. Um, and yes, there were challenges along the way, but I think there are challenges in everyday life um, that, um, that you come across, right? So let's, let's talk about uh, the Catholic, um, Catholics Adopt Project and what does your ministry do for families? Let's start there. So we really view our ministry as being a, a connector and connector. Uh, so if for, for folks looking to adopt, we look at it, we try to connect them to resources uh, to help them adopt, whether those be financial resources, whether it be a good adoption attorney, a good adoption agency. Uh, so part of that, our, our, our initial thing was to cr- connect couples to those resources. But and then also to provide an avenue to create awareness for adoption uh, within Catholic circles. We actually, as we looked at it, we felt that as Catholics, we don't talk about adoption as much as our Christian brothers and sisters do. So a lot of it was creating awareness for that and really talking about adoption uh, more. Um, But also to create an avenue for people to support adoption. Because we always say not everyone is called to adopt, but there's things that we all can do to support adoption. So whether it be praying, uh, we have a, a prayer chain on our website, but we also have an avenue where people can sign up and say, hey, uh, I want to hear about Jim and Sally's story because crowdsourcing has become a popular option because financial hurdles are very real within adoption. Um, so we want to create a community of people that can help support those. And as a ministry, this is a homegrown ministry for us. We're not raising any funds for the Catholic uh, Catholics Adopt Project itself, but what we do, what we are creating is a vehicle for people to be able to support um, adoptive couples as uh, on their journey. And then um, other parts of the, um, we have, as I mentioned, we have resources for adoption trauma and to, to direct folks in those areas. But another area that we were really inspired to create is what we're calling the Adoption Benefit Initiative, uh, which we kind of have as a separate initiative of the Catholics Adopt Project because it's um, we don't really want to necessarily lead with Catholic identity uh, for that part because it's going to major companies um, and in the political arena to promote better adoption benefits, better adoption policy. And some of it's actually a very simple message like, does your company offer an adoption benefit to help 
those uh, looking to adopt. Surprisingly enough, it's about 25% of companies that offer that type of benefit, but it's a very popular benefit both on both sides of the aisle, whether you're, you're Christian, non-Christian, left or right. Um, people can agree that, hey, ad- ad- adoption is, is a good thing. The companies like it because it's a feel-good benefit that actually doesn't cost a lot because uh, it's a small subset of the employees that will take advantage of it. And we, we found actually as we've given talks uh, to, to business leaders that we'll just put that simple message out there and they go, hey, I'd better check, does our company actually provide that, right? So it's, exactly. it's, not, it's not a rocket science message, but it's like, you know, again, creating awareness. And also sort of we're, we're trying to take on the, you know, the, these companies that have said, hey, we're going to do a, a travel benefit to go out of state for, for an abortion, okay? Right. And the reality is if, if, if you're a Christian Catholic leader and have your own company, you, you control that. But we're never going to convince a Fortune 500 company that that travel benefit was a good idea. So what we're actually out there trying to pitch is sort of what we're calling the equal um, adoption benefit, right? Sure. So if you're going to spend $5,000 to send someone out of state for an abortion, okay, right. you're, you're supporting that option. Uh, a young lady with an unexpected pregnancy really has three options. The other one is she can decide to parent, and mm-hmm. they're supporting that with their health benefit. Sure. But if that um, young lady wants to put together an adoption plan, they're not really supporting that. So the common sense argument is, why don't you take that $5,000 that you were going to spend to send her out of state and give it to her to put an adoption plan together? So now you're you're supporting all the options that they have. Sure. So, and you're also supporting uh, the, the mom in the beginning anyway, right, for her right. mental well-being. So right. I can see where that would be very important. Right. Now, how do you reach out to these companies? Uh, right now, my background is is very much a, a corporate government relations type background, so it's a little bit leveraging, you know, things gotcha. that I've done. And so, um, you know, we're getting those conversations started. I can't tell you I have a huge win with the Fortune 500 company, <laughs> but I can't tell you we have some conversations started. That's awesome. And I haven't had anybody close the door and say that's a crazy idea. That's awesome. So, so if any of our if any of our listeners are listening, can they reach out to you via the website and say, hey, I I asked my company that I work for and yes. they're interested? Can they yes. do that? Yes. Okay. So and that's, it's, that's exactly what we're asking for on okay. the website. Hey, you, do you have a door that, that opens and we can we can go in and talk about this? You know, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, if, if someone thinks, well, gosh, you know, I can't adopt for whatever reason it is, but I can easily check into my company's HR and ask that simple question. Come on, listeners, if you can ask that simple question, reach out. I'm assuming it's just catholicsadopt.com that they would reach out to, correct? Yes. 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 And there's a link to and it's adoptionbenefit.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, dot com though, yeah. but, um, yeah. but there's a link to that on yeah. Catholicsadopted.com is the right place to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. There are some... I guess the words are misconceptions or myths or maybe even fears of why people are afraid to adopt. Can you shed some light on those maybe possibly? There's, I mean, I know every adoption is different. You know, every family is different. But there's, you know, some people think, oh, okay, maybe I got the call and no, it's not for me. But if they're, you know, you mentioned one financial that's what your group helps with, right? Finding, give you some resources or connecting, you know, you to different people. Um, but things that you might have come across, what would those be? Well, I'm sure one of the initial things besides financial that people 
um, think about with adoption is, how could I love a child that was not born of my body? Um, And it's interesting because we've always told our children that they were born of another woman's body, but they were born of our hearts and our prayers. And I I know that Andy can tell you that um, you had those fears, for sure, about whether or not you could love a child that was not biological. I actually have adoption in my family. My mom is one of six adopted children, and so I saw firsthand that there is no difference. And I can tell you, with our four children, we don't feel any different, although the adopted children will tell you, we were chosen. You people were (laughs) random. They'll tell their older siblings, you were a random biological event. We were chosen. We're the favorites. So (laughs) We have that same situation in our house. Who's the favorite? (laughs) Right, right. And that that has been something that has been something I couldn't have comprehended about how there is not an ounce of difference between the biological and the, and the adopted kids and, you know, finding space in your heart and just the, uh, it's, it's just been amazing to me, you know, how, um, they have just went straight into my heart and, um, have never left, have never left. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, I always tell people you don't run out of love. It's no. that you don't get a certain amount your whole life, and that's it. So um, so that is one objection or one fear that people have. Another is, oh, I'm not doing that. It's just a baby market where you get to use a checklist and you know figure out what sex child you want, what they should look like, what kind of health they should have. And there are those stories out there, but for the most part... Most people that work um, in agencies or through the foster care system or social workers, anyone involved with trying to promote life, their number one goal is the benefit to the child and the love that that child could have in a forever family. So um, those are a couple of the objections that we've seen. We've seen um, the system is too daunting You just have to get through it because, for example, no matter how you adopt, you do have to go through a home study. And it can feel very much like an invasion of your privacy and also a question of fitness of your parenting, if that makes sense. And that can be also kind of um, impactful on your pride, right? You could... You could take that very personally, mm-hmm. but really, again, you have to assume everybody that's doing this wants the best for the child. Yes. And that, along with the guidance from the Holy Spirit, helps you to overcome those fears. Okay, I want to go back for just a second, um, and I have two things that I want to make sure that we catch on, because I was taking notes here, listeners. I don't know if you've been taking notes, um, but you mentioned that your teenager birth mother knew that this life was worth birthing, bringing into this world. Did she have any type of formal religion or faith or how did she know that? I I guess I'm, I guess I'm wondering because, you know, how do we tell teenagers nowadays, how do we increase that awareness in teenagers? And so the fact that you said that she had this feeling 
Any any suggestions? You're looking at each other, trying who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna answer this question? Well, I'm sure we both have our thoughts on it. She did not have any formal religion mm-hmm. at all, um, and I think it could only have come from the Holy Spirit that she knows that. And I think, you know, so often, particularly in our culture, that is very consumer oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, we can order something on Amazon and have it the next day, uh, sometimes even the same day. So so there's almost this sense that, oh, if we want to, we could get pregnant anytime and we can dispose of this bunch of cells anytime. And we forget that there's such value, such dignity, and it's the only time, the only time as human beings, as creatures of the created that we ever can participate with God. And it's when we bring forth life. And if somehow we could change our culture, I guess, the culture of shame for unplanned pregnancies, um, I think then we would make some very big strides towards more people choosing life. Um, And I'm sure Andy can expound on it a little bit more because we were just down at Birth Choice talking with them about how can we help a mom to decide to go forward with a pregnancy and choose life because there's such a culture of shame. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, it's also, you know, the discussion tends to be so much with these, with these young ladies considering the abortion. It's, do I have the baby or do I have the abortion? And the adoption option, if you will, sort of doesn't seem to come into play as much as we would hope it would. And we had some really good discussions with Birth Choice, and they are starting what looks like a wonderful program to try to put that option in front Mm -hmm. of of these, you know, because it it just seems to be the third option that just sometimes just doesn't get presented. It gets overlooked. Yeah. And we were actually talking in the car on the way over here. It's like, what is that? value proposition look like, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in front of these um, <clears throat> women facing this very difficult crossroads in their life, right? And when you look at the value of the life that they brought in, but we were talking about there's this, this great video out there of these famous people that were all adopted, right? And think about what would the world be like if these folks weren't weren't in the world, right? And we have that daily reminder every day, too. I mean, when we look at our children and we're like, yeah, how, how you know, that, that decision she made to bring them into the world, you just, you see it tangibly every day. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how many people had to say yes to make it all happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's uh, one simple word um, can mean the life of, for someone. It's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. And you asked me before about, you know, ways that you can maybe say yes to God. And I think one of the things we've said when we've done talks is um, if you're like us, maybe, you always go in prayer with the idea of, yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to whatever you ask. But then I had all these conditions Mm-hmm. I had like, as long as it's in this lane, like, because these are where I think I have strengths and, you know, very, I know very prideful, but I, I thought I was being 
open. <laughs> and then I realized that I was putting a lot of conditions on my yes, even mm-hmm. if I didn't know it at the time. And so once you begin to take off all of the boundaries and just say, here I am, Lord, just just yes. And I think we have to make the situation so much easier for these moms so that they can say yes without the reservations. So I think awareness is a first step for us is, is to try to build awareness for how can we, even if you're not called to adoption, we all can play a role in making that yes easier for a mom who is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Well said. So listeners, if you are out there you need to help in this regard. Help, let's help moms be able to say yes to life. And I'm hoping that I can ask you for the prayers for all those moms that are in this need. You know, you might not ever see them, um, but if you can start praying for them every day, I think that'll be a great way to start making everybody aware. Thank you guys so much for doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having I'm us. I'm hoping that yeah. you'll come back and we'll do it again and see how things have progressed and, you know, if there's anything that we can do for you um, in your in your ministry. Don't we hesitate. We would love that. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you, Jamie and Andy, for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's been our pleasure getting to know you and your ministry better. I can't wait to have you guys come back. Um, thank you so much to Mother Teresa Parish because they allowed us to use their conference room for this uh, interview today. Um, this has been a production of Divine Mercy Radio. I'm your host, Melissa Savage. Thank you so much for joining us and have a blessed day. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.